So, without further ado, let's meet Val and Earl and find out that today was a really bad day to choose to try to leave Perfection, Nevada. Oh, but um, there is so much more to 1990. Welcome to Tonka Buffalo to Geek Salad episode 197. We can remember it for you wholesale. I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Catherine. I'm I was waiting for Joe, and there's no Joe. There's no Joe. <laughs> and tonight we actually have two very special guests joining us again. Um, is our good friend and constant contributor Jim. Kind of fast and loose with that. Very special. Okay, well, you know, I, I make I don't make the definitions, I just enforce them. Thank you. And this one's been a long time coming. The uh the peanut butter to our alcohol infused chocolate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I was gonna have to build this one up. All the way <laughs> from lovely England, right in the backyard of Hogwarts uh, school for witch crash from wizardry. It is M from Verbal Diorama. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. Uh, I have to be honest. No one ever is. No one ever surely is. I'm, surely I'm more the jelly to the peanut butter. Um, I mean, maybe that's a controversial statement, but. Mm. Oh no, we're the um. No. Oh, good lord! You don't you don't have Reese's peanut butter cups in England? Oh, absolutely, we do. Okay, yeah. Well, that's the chocolate to the peanut oh, no, butter. Except yeah, no. I I I understand that. I I just assumed that uh, peanut butter and jelly was a bit more. Uh, American? Well, oh, no. Yeah, but I can't infuse, I can't infuse alcohol into either of those. And yes, you can. Sure you Have can. you ever heard of jelly, uh, like jelly shots? Or I suppose they're a different type of jelly. Oh, that's yeah, a different type jello. of jelly. Yeah. Jello. So isn't that yeah. jello? No. Um, but yeah. imagine, hmm. imagine making a peanut butter and jello sandwich with that, though. Oh, God. What? You've never tried it. That's All right. Hey, we're we're two minutes in. We're already off the rails. Excellent. <laughs> so, anyway, yes, M has been. M and I have been kind of chatting back and forth for like the better half of the better part of a year and a half, trying to figure out a way to get her to have a discussion with us. What with the five hour time difference, um, and fortunately, if anything good came out of us being closed up during COVID, is that we figured out a way that we can all do our do the show remotely. Uh, so. Em, I am so happy to have you on the show today as we discuss the movies of 1990. Woo! 
I mean, so. thanks, thanks COVID-19 for making this happen. So <laughs> if you've got, you're going to thank COVID for something, you're going to thank COVID for this. Sun, the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. So, <laughs> so anyway, yes. Yeah, so, and um, I know Catherine said she, she was waiting for Joe and Joe is at work right now for whatever godforsaken reason. So hopefully he's able to join us a little later on, but we are going to go in and discuss are the top movies of 1990. And as you noticed on the title, we did post that this is part one. This episode is going to go way too freaking long. So we decided that we're going to split this into two. So part one, we are going to discuss our social media feedback and the top 15 domestic movies of the year, followed up by everything else that came out. So let's we're start. Actually, we're actually splitting it beforehand this time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so we, you won't have we, like we that know weird us. break. <laughs> we know we're going to go long. There were just times when this has to happen. So anyway, uh, let's kick off with some social media feedback from Facebook. Uh, I'm just trying to see here because I had one from uh, Mr. Dave McLean. And for some reason, it just kind of. Oh, yes, here we go. Uh, I'm now going on to Wild at Heart, David Lynch's noir Wizard of Oz road movie. That gets my vote for the moment when the 90s really began. I will also remind you of the story of my roommate uh, from college, Craig, who dressed up as Edward Scissorhands all through college, and he never stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Must have got a lot of tail. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, coming out of a uh, New York art school. Absolutely. And then we've got uh, also a friend of the show and sometimes contributor Matt Jones who mentioned uh, two from 1990, Nuns on the Run, the movie that introduced him to Robbie Coltrane, and also Memphis Belle, one of the more underrated movies of the decade. That's true. That's one of those movies that doesn't pop up all that much when you discuss um, when you discuss uh, war movies. That one never comes up. Nuns on the Run? No, no, Memphis Belle. Oh. <laughs> yes, Nuns on the Run. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, you had some stuff from Facebook, right? Yeah, uh, Jonna also put in Nuns on the Run, and uh, uh, she also mentioned Betsy's Wedding, a.k.a. Molly Ringwald destroys another perfectly good formal. (laughs) 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 Were there any Uh, others on on yours? Oh, oh, yeah, I got got a lot. Uh, uh, Chris from Chris's Cultural Corner. Uh, had Hunt for Red October, Goodfellas, Home Alone, Total Recall, you know, all the all the big hits, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and The Freshman. Here he is, your Komodo dragon. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lynn Moni of uh, uh, Prunella's Jewelry had Witches, which I haven't seen, but I really got to get to. Um, uh, Jeff Tilton had a bunch of comments. Uh, he mentioned... Wild at Heart, Nicolas Cage. Um, uh, uh, one of his very favorite movies came out that year, which is Parlez-moi d'amour. And, of course, Robot Jocks. <laughs> yep. Uh, that one. Okay, well, we'll discuss that. That one actually is probably going to get some discussion later on. This is just kind of giving what taste of okay. what the movies of 1990 were like. Mike, you said you had one, right? Yeah, uh, Paul English said, uh, Tremors is a fantastic film from that year, and let's not forget the film that had the, held the record for the highest grossing independent film of all time for almost 10 years, the original and still greatest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. 
Wow. <laughs> so, um, John Saul, in response to uh, my RoboCop 2 gift that I put up on Facebook, said, I'd buy that for a dollar, which I don't know if that actually appeared in RoboCop, no, was... or not, in RoboCop 2. I know it was RoboCop 1. Yeah. Um, and then we had a whole slew from our, our good friend Steve Day, um, who writes... I remember liking Ski Patrol, but I feel that just because uh, all the skiing teen movies that started about six years later. Hard to Kill marks the start of our awareness of Steven Seagal and the end of our awareness of Kelly LeBrock. Nightbreed. That's the problem, man. Nightbreed is what happened when X-Men fucked the crow. (laughs) (laughs) Starring Craig Schaefer, uh, who plays the poor man's Whatever. Jim, I believe you, you called him the poor man's Brad Pitt. Yes. I just, remember because, when, just because yeah. of the chin dimple. That's <laughs> pretty much it. I remember when he did some kind of wonderful and he played the poor man's uh, James Spader. I, I, I actually just watched that movie a couple weeks ago. Oh, what? Yeah. Some kind of wonderful? I did. Oh, it's like Pretty in Pink with a sex change. <laughs> I, I always thought that uh, James Spader was the poor man's James Spader. Oh, now he is. He looks like a he looks like a baked potato on top of a suit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Up until right now, I was definitely sure a '90s version of The Handmaid's Tale was a Lifetime original. <laughs> I, I will cut anyone that says Joe versus the volcano wasn't kind of funny a little. Oh, absolutely. Blonde Fury, a love letter to USA, up all night. Because it's impossible to say it any other way. Wait. Mm-hmm. This was the year that two Lombada movies nobody wanted came out? Oh, sweet <laughs> Menachem Golan, how I miss thee. <laughs> John Waters casting Tracy Lords and Crybaby is the most John Waters thing a John has ever watered. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. Firebirds, okay, so it's Top Gun, but with helicopters and Nicolas Cage, what could go wrong? <laughs> I feel like Warren Beatty made Dick Tracy just for himself. <laughs> Days of Thunder. Okay, it's Top Gun. Oddly but enough, race... only he liked it. So. Yep. <laughs> Days of Thunder. Okay, so it's Top Gun, but race cars, and we get Tom Cruise this time. What could go wrong? Hello, my name is Steve, and I paid seven bucks to see The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Ooh. I know somebody who picks, spent $15 to buy the VHS. Oh, good Lord. That's okay, well, we're, we're going to get... That's gonna, yeah, we have a conversation planned on that uh, for part two. The freshman marks the, the start of our awareness of Kimono Dragons and the end of our awareness of Matthew Broderick and probably Bruno Kirby. Ooh, Navy Seals. Oh, jeez. Does, <laughs> ne- Does Liam Neeson put Dark Man on his resume? <laughs> My, my response to that was I was wondering whether he put Krull and that episode of Miami Vice he was in on his <laughs> I don't acknowledge any of that. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren sees uh, Rucker Howard Blind Fury and raises him with I come in peace. If one film from 1990 should be preserved by the National Film Registry, it's Troll 2. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Welcome Rock, Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael, the movie Winona Ryder did instead of Godfather 3? Yeah. The, exist- <laughs> the existence of Quigley Down Under implies the existence of films featuring Quigley in some other parts of the world. <laughs> Quigley and Hoboken. 
<laughs> the Rescuers Down Under implies the existence of a film that did actually exist. And yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I pretended to like robot, robot jocks for so long. And, of course, Jeff Tilton actually responds to this, too. I love robot <laughs> jocks. It's a micro-budget. It's ten times the movie that Pacific Rim is. It's okay. We can like different things. So yeah. that was from Facebook and now from Twitter. We only had a couple of responses, and they were all done today. I figured that if I tagged M on this, maybe some of her fans would uh, come out for this. What, what but... fans? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm here. Right here. I'm... Yeah, <laughs> we all listen to your show, which is why you have six. Uh, why you have six subscribers? Have six, which is why I have six downloads every episode. Thanks. There you go. So, KCA <laughs> Night of Autumn um, put a gif of Tremors, which is near and dear to M's heart, as she had done Absolutely. a um, an such episode a, on that. Such a great and one. Uh, there's one here about. Tammy and the T-Rex is a weird little film. This is from uh, Trivia Chick. Uh, Ice Cream Man with Clint Howard is another one. Wow. Uh, I, I, Clint yeah. Howard had a featurette. Oh, yes. Jim, it was a low-budget horror movie. I know, but it's Clint Howard. I mean, they could have gone to 7-Eleven and found someone better than Clint Howard. Oh, well. Oh, come I, on. When you bring Clint Howard in, you bring class. And amazingly, it was a movie that wasn't directed by Ron Howard. So, <laughs> you think? Yeah. So, you know what? I, you know, I totally forgot to do one thing. When we introduce M, M, can you tell us just a little bit about your show for people who may not be listening to it? I mean, all six of us subscribe to it, but <laughs> give us your elevator pitch. Why should Why should our eighteen subscribers uh, follow you? Mm. Well, um. I'm British. Uh, American people like the accent. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> that should surely be the only reason you'll ever need. However, um, so what I like to do is uh, I like to look at the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Uh, I've got a little theme song, uh, which describes actually that in, in quite good detail. Um, and as previously mentioned, Tremors is one of the movies that I have Featured it's actually the only movie from 1990 that I've ever featured, uh, which I think makes it special. It makes it elevates it in the realm of 1990. It wasn't a big box office success, but it was a success to me. Yes. Um, and just for practical effects and all of those lovely things that I really love. Um, but yeah, I uh, I have a podcast and uh, please listen to it. Thanks. Right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I'm not very good at selling myself. Uh, oh, that's from, that, that, you British know what? Accent. For, British accent. <laughs> okay, there we go. Add a little class to your podcast stream. So, anyway, all right. So as we as we always do, we are going to be discussing the top domestic grossing movies of the year as our part one, and we're going to start with the top fifteen. And starting off this countdown at number 15, taking in $71.6 million, three men and a little lady. Kick it. <laughs> 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 uh, introduce it. Matt, Peter, and Jack, we're your rabbits. We're your dad's doing the merry rap. You're just a little lady and you need your sleep. Don't want to hear no job talking about something to eat. Break down. Like that. Here we go. We were party 
down late till I'm dancing till dawn. See your food spitting, toilet train and change our song. Now we're situated back to state his father's and waiting. Who'd rather hang with you than the one he's been dating? Say, Mary, did you wash your face? Yo! Say, Mary, did you brush your teeth? Yo! Oh, God. <laughs> Is that is that a good oh god or a bad oh god? Oh, it's that's it's, bad. It's what? Oh god. Oh no! I love Three Men and a Little Lady. It's not as good as Three Men and a Baby, obviously, yeah, but, but I think it's really sweet. But the whole point of it, the first movie was three, well, two macho guys in Gutenberg get a baby, <laughs> and then you get the second one, and there's no point to any of it other than oh, Tom Hanks and. The woman on the show with Tim Allen, whatever her name is, there's there's a little bit of heat going on there. Look out! But other than that, it's it's just. I actually I hate to say it. Thank you, COVID nineteen once again. I did pull that gem out, seeming to think I because I saw it in the theater, and I thought I might have liked it. I did not. <laughs> I think it rides it rides on the nostalgia of Three Men and a Baby. Absolutely, it does. Um, but I think that the the kind of winning formula they knew they had a winning formula with uh, Steve Gutenberg and Ted Danson and um, um, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, Tom Selleck not you. Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, Tom Selleck. Um, did I say and Hanks? They, they, you did. Yeah, you did say Hanks. Um, but they they clearly had a winning formula with that, and so they milked it. And they milked that cash cow uh, and they milked it some more. Um, and to be honest, I think it's completely inoffensive. Um, I think it's very sweet. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a bit saccharine sweet. It's a bit sentimental. Um, but I'm more than happy to sit and watch Three Men and Little Lady. If it's if it just happens to be on TV, I will happily sit and watch it. I think it's uh, I think it's quite a sweet, lovely little film. That's just unfortunately not the one that came before it. <laughs> Todd, Catherine, Mike, any thoughts on uh, Three Men and a Little Lady or 3M and an LL? 3M and an LL. I, I, and an know, L we'll squared. Talk about this. We'll talk about this later uh, when we don't talk about the top 15 domestic releases. But this feels just like Look Who's Talking To to me. Oh like my that God. same formula, that same, like, it worked the first time, let's do it again. And it's fine. Like, I have no problem with it. But okay. it's, I wouldn't call it a cinematic masterpiece by any means. This movie is important because it marks the end of Gutenberg Mania. Oh, you're right. I mean, he after this movie, he didn't have another uh, big screen feature till 1995. Five years. Oof. There was something about Steve Gutenberg, though. Like, genuinely, there was something about him that, as, as a young kid, I found very appealing. Uh, I, I definitely think that he was probably the most fanciable of the three men. And... You know, I, I, I admit to having a bit of a a bit of a young crush on Steve Gutenberg when I was younger. He's, he's definitely the everyman of that crew. Like Absolutely, yeah. 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 The chin. yeah. Tom Selleck is Magnum and then there's yeah. Gutenberg who's relatable. So yeah, Ted Danson is is Ted Sam Dan- Malone. Yeah. yeah. I feel like with with the Goot, um, he really kind of comes across as and I think why younger people liked him so much, because he always comes across as being like the cool oh, uncle, you know, like he was like the cool uncle. It's like your grandparents had a whole slew of kids and he was kind of like the oops baby that is at least 10 years younger than all the other aunts and uncles. So he kind of is just a little older than you and he's the one to buy a beer and, you know, sneak weed with you. And that's just my <laughs> take on Steve Gutenberg. Um, I remember I, watching my first porno with Uncle Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
He asked me if I liked that, and I wandered off. So, <laughs> okay, right. let's let's move on to uh, number fourteen. Eighty point eight million dollars. Another forty-eight hours. You made me miss Cap. I'm good, Reggie. I ain't seen you in years, man. I thought you was my friend. Well, I'm sorry. I've been busy. Yeah, me too. You must be pretty desperate to come down here, man. You even got a new haircut. What's going on? Well, times change. Well, you lost a couple of pounds. We're drinking. So what, the warden picked you to come in here and tell me my sentence got yanked up another five years or something? No, relax. You're still getting out tomorrow. But when you do, you and me's got another little job to do. Man, you and me don't have shit to do. When I get out of here, just give me my fucking money and walk away from me, all right? Because I played that cop shit once and it don't work. Have my money when I get out, please. Oh, wait a minute, Reggie. You don't get it. You see, if you don't help me out on this one, I'm not ever going to give you your money back. You fuck with me, all right? No. Hey, Jack. I gave you that money in good faith. But you told me I could fucking trust you. Now, you're going to tell me after all this shit I can't have my money? Yeah, now you got the picture, Convict. Uh, Nick I, I don't remember that. Not really. The first what? one's hysterical. Oh, the first one is 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 I mean it's it's a landmark in Eddie Murphy's career, obviously. But you know, like, I think Todd, it's his you, first movie. Uh, it I is. I think it it's is. his first full length. But Todd, you had mentioned about you know just with Three Men and a Little Lady and you know Look Who's Talking too. This is just trying to return to the well. <laughs> but you know, eight years later, another forty-eight years. And we, we kind of touched on this last year when we discussed um, the movies of 89, where Eddie Murphy's star was really beginning to fall at this point because he had done Harlem Nights the year before that. Uh, was and, this before or after um, Beverly Hills Cop 3? Uh, no, this is before Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, yeah. So this is a vampire in Brooklyn. How can I forget a vampire in Brooklyn, Jim? I've already forgotten a vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Oh, Catherine is not aware of a vampire in Brooklyn? No, I'm saying that I've forgotten it, too. Yeah, yes. Ah, okay. Well, I'm not a joke, Andy. I was was being clever, too clever for for Andy. Yeah, exactly. This is the problem with not being able to see you guys. It's like, you know, just having everybody (laughs) in the same room together. Um, Yeah, well, I guess we could move on from another 48 hours because M is, like, very quiet. And uh, well, um, to be honest, I've never seen it, so okay. I Have feel like I can't comment. Though? Have you seen the first movie, though? Uh, if I say no, does that mean I get booted off? Nope. No, no, it's quite oh, all right. I, I, I haven't seen 48 hours either. OK, that's fair. All right. So number 13, 82.6 million dollars. Days of Thunder, the movie that Steve had mentioned is it's Tom Cruise. As in Top Gun, but instead of a plane, it's a it's a car. The second well, best NASCAR movie. Pulled over. All right, everybody out and up against the wall here. You're under arrest. Let's go. Move it. <laughs> the hell for? It's right there in your hand. Transportation of illegal alcohol across state lines for the purpose of distribution. Well, I don't want this to look like you, officer. This is not distribution. This is consumption. 
Well, that don't exactly make it legal. Yeah, now, what? now, up against the wall. What, what, what is this? Up against the wall. Well, looks like we found something. What's that? Concealed weapon. Where? Right here. <laughs> now, the only question is... Will he actually use it? What's the first uh, bet? Uh, oh, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was going to say as well some uh, horrific uh, attempts at accents as well uh, in Days of Thunder. Oh God. Yeah. It, you yeah. know what? It, it's almost embarrassing watching Americans try to like affect Southern accents that they don't have naturally. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't really, that movie, though, the beginning of the... Well, maybe not the beginning, but it was, like, right in the middle of the Tom Cruise plays a character who is the best at what he does, but he's kind of a dick? Yeah. I okay. thought he was always doing that. He's typecast, yeah. Okay. But, but this, was, mean, uh, this was him and um, Nicole Kidman, right? Gotcha, yes, this is the first time they met. This yeah. is the, fir the first movie that they met in. Um, and it's, I mean, it's the thing is that the pedigree in this movie is fantastic. I think Tony Scott's the director for this one. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall in it. Um, you got Michael Rooker in it. You have a, you have a decent cast, but I think that because it's low, it's low box office turnout, people were like really starting to question Tom Cruise's ability to draw. And then like two years later, he did Far and Away, which I remember seeing the ad for that, seeing him try to do an Irish accent. I'm like, okay, nope. Oh yeah, even worse. <laughs> I fold. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing that none of us have seen this one either, or oh. haven't seen it long enough to have. Todd, yeah. haven't seen it. Came out okay. speak to it. Okay. I'm aware of it, but <laughs> it's a thing that happened. It's a thing. I know what it is. So, so Michael Rooker must have played the evil hayseed in it, right? It, well, as was his his uh, job in the '90s, Jim. Yes. As he, as he is often want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think his application to the Royal Shakespeare Theater says evil AC. Let me ask you a question. Can you play Judd in Oklahoma, but in this action movie? Yes. Okay. So number 12, $86.3 million in a movie that um, my Movies Anywhere account gave me for free, Presumed Innocent. Sandy should be available in a couple hours. Let's see what they got. I can't believe there could be any more surprises. That's when they come. That's why they're called surprises. So, do we now understand the LaGuardia's case? Yes, I think I do. Let me hear it. Savage is obsessed with Palamas. She ditches him for another man. Savage becomes enraged. He can't let go. One night, knowing his wife will be going out, he calls her up, begs her to see him again. Carolyn finally agrees. She rolls around with him for all Lang Syne, but then something goes wrong. 
Savage is jealous. He wants more than she's willing to give. He blows it. Gives her what for with some heavy instrument. Decides to make it look like rape. Savage is a prosecutor this way. He knows there'll be dozens of suspects. So he ties her up, opens the latches to make it look like someone slipped in. And this is the diabolical part. Pulls out her diaphragm so it looks like rape. But in his hate. Oh, Richard Gere? No, uh, Harrison Ford. I was going to oh, say Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, that one. That was good. But the, 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 that's, the, that's the Amish one, right? No, that's Witness. Oh, Witness. Oh, okay. I'm super confused. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, roll the dice. You have a chance of getting it right. They're well, all presumed, pretty much the same. Presumed Innocent is the movie where Harrison Ford is wrongfully accused of murder, but this isn't The Fugitive. Um, he was accused of murdering his... Uh, the woman he was having an affair with. And spoiler alert for the 30-year-old movie, turns out his wife did it by um, freezing his semen and in- injecting it into the dead body. Well, that's not how she killed her. And that's not how she killed her. No, but that's how she framed him for it. Oh. I that's literally true. don't have a clue what this movie is. I'm, I'm even looking <laughs> at it on Wikipedia. I'm looking yeah. at the poster and I still don't know what it is. I am more familiar with Witness, which I've never seen either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this was like this was like their attempt to try to get Harrison Ford to be considered a serious actor again, because, you know, you had Witness in 85. Then you had this in 1990. And then I think the following year was regarding Henry. Oh, boy. Harrison Ford Ford is accused of murder. Uh, Yeah. Which movie is that one? Again. Fugitive. Again. <laughs> all right. So I got one here that I think we can all talk to. 87.7 million. Number 11 for the year. Back to the Future, part three. Yes. All right. Love it. Well, shoot the fleas off a dog's back at 500 yards, Stannon. And it's pointed straight in your head. You owe me money, blacksmith. How do you figure? My horse threw a shoe. And seeing as you was the one that done the shoe, and I say that makes you responsible. Well, since you never paid me for that job, I say that makes us even. Wrong! See, I was on my horse when it threw the shoe, and I got thrown off. And that caused me to bust a perfectly good bottle of fine Kentucky Red Eye. So the way I figure it, Blacksmith, you owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. That's $80. Look, if your horse threw a shoe, bring him back, and I'll reshoe him. I don't shot that horse! Well, that's your problem, Tannen. Wrong. That's yours. So from now on... You better be looking behind you when you walk, because one day you're going to get a bullet in your back. Okay, so let me ask let me ask the controversial question here. Is this anybody's not third favorite Back to the Future movie? <laughs> um. 
I think it's my second favorite. Really? I think two. I think two is more the third favorite. Okay. Okay. I I am I am genuinely interested in hearing your reasoning for that. because uh, it's just you know it there it's a goofy series. Let's just dial the goof to eleven, and uh and and not give a shit. As opposed to the second one where they're trying to actually have something to say and and. I don't know. It, it kind of depends on my mood, which one I would rather watch, if I'm going to watch two or three. And, and cur- currently, you know, I've wrapped up 65 hours of work this week. I've got at least another eight to go. And so I would like all the goofiness, please. Okay. And, uh, that, that's absolutely fair. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Given the current political crisis, I would say that two is probably a little bit too on the nose. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I can understand why some people would like three in that case. Yeah. And this is something I actually, you know, and now that, you know, and it didn't really occur to me until Catherine had mentioned it. This one doesn't go into the whole crazy science explanations why, you know, two flies from different time streams can't meet without destroying the entire universe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like this one doesn't go into no, you can't do that because this will happen. The Earth will float upon itself, Marty. Well, yeah. That's a really good point that I didn't actually think of before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't have time because I think he was he and Mary Steenburgen were doing it, so he didn't have time <laughs> to get into. Oh, Marty, if you do this and you do that, you're gonna blow the universe to smithereens. He just, you know, he was getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> and taught a whole generation how to speak to women. Thank you, Doc Brown. Appreciate yeah. <laughs> Doc Brown has uh, has moves that Todd is using to this day. Oh boy! They <laughs> bust out that telescope. We're gonna look. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Jules Verne. We're gonna. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh man, this I, is the movie. I love this movie. I love this movie so much. I can't say that it is my it is my least favorite of the Back to the Future movies, but that still means it's I like it more than most movies. That's how much Back to the Future means to me. Um, I love westerns, so this this feels just right to me as a western. And the the minute I saw this tweet from Lin Manuel Miranda, everybody's favorite, um, you know, Broadway composer and, and historian, multi, historian, multi talented <laughs> person. It was a few years ago. He he was just kind of riffing, and he just said like, "The Back to the Future trilogy perfectly sums up everybody's uh, existential crisis. You know, concern, being concerned about one's past, being concerned about one's future, and cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But that being said, I love it. I love every second of it. It's it's a it's a blast to watch. Awesome. Thank you. Clint yeah, I. Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the, the weird thing was too. I remember I seeing. I remember seeing this movie, and I, I don't know. Some of you might remember this. I know Jim, you might remember this. Catherine, maybe. I know I definitely recommend remembered it because you know my mind's still crap for stupid shit. Uh, but the Hubba Bubba ads that took place in the old west, where that kid would come in with like his legs, like he just got off a horse, and one of the old cowboys in there with the bowler hat was in Back to the Future 3, and I'm like, that's the Hubba Bubba Cowboy. Only you. <laughs> only you. Wow. Yeah, like yes, only me, Jim. Hey, but it's a very a Andy thing to deep say. Dive. Yeah. 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 I know him. <laughs> There's also... Say that Clint Eastwood was the biggest yellow belly in the West. 
was um that was Pat Buttram, wasn't it? I think so. I guess maybe. I don't know cowboy actor names. Um, oh no, because he was also the voice of uh, I want to say uh, the sheriff of Nottingham in uh, Rob, the Disney animated Robin Hood. Oh okay. Hmm. Uh, oh. Yeah, that, that voice. <laughs> yes. Yes, now you mention it, there's a, there is a definite similarity. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't even think of that either. I'm learning so much, guys. <laughs> yeah, there's also that, that infamous scene, too, when uh, Doc and Clara go, go to 1985, and he shows his boys, both Jules and Vern, because, oh, you yes, know. Yes. And one of the kids is oh. pinching himself in the junk so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once you know that that exists, you can't unsee like, it. You can't unsee it. It's like when somebody tells you that the downtown area from the original Back to the Future it was also the downtown in Gremlins. You can't unsee that. Thanks when somebody me. tells you about the the stormtrooper banging his head on the doorway walking oh. in the first Star Wars, you I see that four- every time. I, I was 14 years old when I first heard about that, and now it's like the only thing I think of. That's why I thought that that was actually um, Grand Admiral Snoke. Make total sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. May I just quickly say something on back? Yeah, to absolutely. Um, I I was actually a little bit surprised um, that this was so low. Um, but then I realised you're only doing domestic um, yeah. box office. Yeah. Um, I, I assume uh, worldwide. I, I think this is a lot higher. Uh, if you take worldwide uh, box office into account, um, because you know, Back to the Future is generally regarded as uh, well one of one of the greatest, uh, most flawless trilogies ever made. Uh, you know, uh, you kind of put it up there with, well, you know, the first uh, Star Wars movies, right, right. Uh, generally quite seen as you know perfect. The Toy Story movies, it's 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 one of those whereby it's very difficult i think to say what your favorite is because you like bits of all of it um and back to the future part three uh, i mean i do always you know whenever that little boy uh comes on screen it's one of those where it always kind of makes me laugh now that i know the story about the little boy desperately needing a wee uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and pointing pointing to himself because uh, he was trying to tell the director that he just really, really needed to go. Um, but I I think there's such a, a fondness for kind of all of the Back to the Future movies that it's it's one of those that I, I feel like it feels almost inevitable that Hollywood will do another one. It just feels like I don't want them to do it, but it feels like it's inevitable, you know, because of the way Hollywood is. Yeah, but if but they do, it's don't. probably going to be a reboot. Well, exactly. That's kind of the worst possible scenario as well, because no one wants to reboot these movies. Literally no one wants it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 at first I was quite astonished that Back to the Future was low, but then I realised it's domestic. Um, I think, like I say, worldwide, I'm, I mean... I think it's pretty up there for the year. I, have, I don't don't have it in front of me, but um, I assume it is. I do actually have it in front of me. Front of I knew you're doing that, Mike. I, yeah, I, I, I had it up in front of me too, but I've got the top ten highest-grossing films of 1990 via worldwide gross. Yeah. And actually, Back to the Future Part Three is number six. Okay. Okay. 244.5 million. 244. 5 million. Which 
is interesting considering also this is nineteen ninety dollars. So these dollars are thirty years, you know, less inflated. Um I, I you know, that actually surprised me a little bit because Westerns on the whole are such an American genre. I don't know exactly how well it does internationally. Well, technically speaking, they're also an Italian genre. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Anybody else have anything to say about Back to the Future 3 before we move on? Doc can dance. Doc can <laughs> dance. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. $94.1 million. Number 10. Is that a tumor? No, it's not a tumor. <sighs> it's Kindergarten Cop. Aren't you gonna break it up? No, two more days of this, and you'll quit. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! No. Don't start this. Oh, no. I, I saw, I, I've seen the trailer. I, I saw the trailer before I saw the movie, obviously. I laughed so much at the trailer. I was like, I can't wait to see this movie. Watch the movie. I was like, oh, so they put all the jokes in the trailer. And the rest of the movie is really kind of awful. It, it, it was one of the most unfunny movies I've ever seen. That's was, this, um, was this Arnold's first foray into a comedy? Because no. this was before Twins, wasn't it? No, this was after Twins. Twins this was, was after 88. Twins. This was after oh, Twins, which was 88. Okay. Um, no, and that's the weird thing is that, like, the, the, all three, like, the three comedies that uh, Arnold is so so well known for, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, and uh, Junior, were all directed by Ivan Reitman, who was a comedy genius. Right. And it's just weird that he couldn't, really pull the funny from him out of this there are some some of arnold's deliveries are great there's that that thing when somebody asks him an insult when the kids ask him insulting questions he's like ha, 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 shut up and i thought that was actually kind of funny but uh, this is more like i mean this is definitely more action than it is comedy mm. To be honest, I don't really remember it. I, I watched it. Well, I probably watched it in the 90s uh, because my uh, my dad used to watch uh, lots of Arnold Schwarzenegger films with me and my brother. And uh, we grew up on a diet of uh, early Arnold films like Commando and Raw Deal. Like, seriously, <laughs> we were kids. I first the one of the first Arnold Schwarzenegger films I ever watched was Commando um, and with with my dad and my brother when I was quite young. So um, <laughs> Arnold was quite a fixture in our house. Um, and I definitely twins is something that I remember just very, very clearly. Um, Kindergarten Cop. I like I remember bits of it, but it's not really a standout performance. It's not really a standout movie. It's not it just it just seems like a little bit meh. Like, yeah. you don't really remember it. You remember yeah. the premise, but not really anything about it. So I think that just kind of describes it perfectly. Yeah. I, th- I think, like, the, like the, the tumor line 
is what come, came out of this. And unfortunately, yeah. that is all that really came out of this. You know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Tuminator. Uh I mean, Linda Hunt was way funnier than Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Oh, God. <laughs> Not Linda Hunt. Yep. Anybody else have any memories of Who saw this in the theater? Because I know I did. I paid more money for this. You didn't see this one? This was one of those movies that when I worked at the first video store, like, people would come in asking for this before it came out in the theater. <laughs> and okay. it was just like, oh, God, this begins. This is my this is my life now. Um, wow, that, that's right out of Clerks. Oh, God, yeah. Is it, you have Kindergarten Cop? No, it hasn't come out in the movie theater yet. You'll see it here in six months. Leave me alone. <laughs> Gonna deal with all these old, wretched couples by, uh, renting porn right now. You leave me alone. <laughs> so, Todd, any thoughts yeah. on, on, on The Kindergarten uh, Cop? On The Kindergarten Cop, uh, I saw it, uh, home video release or HBO, probably. Didn't see okay. it in the theater. I, it's eminently forgettable. I don't think it's... I wouldn't go back and watch it now. So that's, yeah. a good, that's a good term for it, actually. Yeah. As evidenced yeah. by its 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, you can't, you can't get I'm more forgettable than 50%. That. <laughs> I kind of feel like this... Movies like this that are aimed towards, like, a younger audience. You know, Emmett mentioned that, uh, you know, her dad being completely irresponsible, just like my mother's boyfriend was when he took us to the movie theater, Jim, to go see Commando. Uh... Yeah. How do you know? You know my, my father is an excellent father. He's oh, no way irresponsible. I don't oh, doubt that at all. I'm just, I'm just making the joke. I'm just making he, the joke. He, that, opened, you know. he opened me up to uh, a wide variety of Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, cinematic achievements. Okay. Uh, from a young age, I was very, very grateful. <laughs> and now uh, you know that with enough strength, you can actually throw a steam pipe through a human being. Yes. <laughs> with, with some of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's oeuvre, it, it's probably not that great of a, a thing to be seen. Oh man, I just, I just, I watched, I watched Commando not too long ago, and it's just, it's so great in how terrible it is. Oh, I love it. I, st- I still genuinely love Commando. When all the squibs explode, <laughs> like in the ground, three feet in front of guys, and they're just dropping dead. I love that. Um, the thing with Kindergarten Cop is because it's aimed at a younger audience. It's almost like one of those movies that you would think. Guys my age who've got kids their age would want to show them. And I have, like, no desire. This isn't, like, on movies to show my kids. Definitely not. No. No. Yeah. I think it's a little lowbrow for that. You know, it's – you know what I, I look at, and, I, and I'm generalizing, I guess, a little bit. But when I think of a lot of movies from the 90s, I, I – and, I, and I, I know I'm kind of just throwing this all out there. There's so many movies that just fit one – genre that I have a hard time picking them out one from another. They all seem to have like a very similar formula. They all seem to kind of have the same, you know, low ball punch someone in the nuts type jokes that kindergarten cop is like, to me, like the, the poster child for this type of movie. They are just going for the typical yuck, yuck <laughs> all the way through it. Mm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. All right, let's move on to number nine. $103.7 million. Dick Tracy. Get me mumbles. Where is Lips, man? Where is Lips, man? 
I got it. You want to do it? Don't turn on like I don't know. I didn't do it. 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 Mumbles. Where's Lips Manless? Care for some water? I'm thirsty. Where's Lips Manless? Where's Lips Manless? Okay, you heard him, Mrs. Green. That's his testimony. Okay, boys, get him out of here. His what? Yeah, I, I saw this on VHS in the late 90s. <laughs> oh. I've actually never seen this movie all the way through. Really? It's on HBO. Yeah, I, I, I've seen like bits and pieces, and I've kind of put it together. I, I so I think I've seen it, but then I go back and actually think about it. It's like, no, I've never actually seen this movie all the way through. I think I've read the book, hmm. like the novelization. That's about it. I I, I have seen it. Um, it was a long time ago. I, I distinctly remember the um, the color saturation. Like they they were oh. they had like all of the all of the different mobsters in like different colored suits to try my and eyes. My yeah, eyes. It, it was it was very kind of in your face um yeah they were going for like live action comic script yes yeah very yeah. much so yeah and it it, it kind of didn't work and obviously it was oh, uh it, didn't work. <laughs> a, it was a performance by madonna um which, to, to be honest and i and i will say i think that madonna does have moments where she's incredibly underrated uh, as an actress i don't remember her performance in this at all so i can't really comment on whether it was good or bad because it was completely unforgettable uh, as probably was most of the movie once my eyesight was fully restored um, <laughs> and um but you know to me madonna is kind of best playing a version of madonna yeah. um a, like in a league of their own which i still yes. think to this day she's fantastic in oh, um yeah. yeah but for this it she i I remember there was a really big deal about her being in the movie and I think she did something in her tour to promote it or something as well. So she put out, the, she put out an album. Yeah, that was it. Um, and was that her first, that wasn't her first movie though, right? No, it wasn't her first movie. No, Desperately Seeking Susan was her yeah. first oh, that's right. movie. But yeah, no, M's, M, M's right about that, as is Catherine, that yeah, she put out the album I'm Breathless, which was essentially her stuff from the movie Dick Tracy plus Vogue. And some other like just kind of like songs of the era, but yeah, she was she was a huge part of this hype train. Well, wow, that's, her, that's Madonna at her the height of her powers. Yeah, and that's what um the movie Truth or Dare is essentially. It's it's following her on that tour uh, when she was dating Warren Beatty, which wasn't at all creepy, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She was out having sex with 18-year-old acrobats. It happens, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I think for me, the thing that stand, stood out the most for me about this movie isn't the movie itself, but how much they wanted to be Batman. I mean, the marketing in this movie is was, I mean, it was next level. Like They marketed us, the shit out of this movie. Oh, my God. They preceded the movie with a Roger Rabbit short. 
Yes, uh, did. To, they did. did. about that. Make it appeal to children. And I'm like, Dick Tracy is not a children's movie. Like, it's not Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's nothing like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's, to me, it feels a bit more grown up. Like, I don't understand why they wanted to appeal to a child audience. Well, they're both, they're both Touchstone, right? Uh, yeah, yes. this was this was put out yes. Disney, from Disney through Touchstone. Yeah. Okay. Well. But the the weird thing with with this movie also is I watched it like two weeks ago. First of all, high definition did this movie no favors because for <laughs> as much ambition that's up on the screen, you can see the rifts in the fabric when you're watching this with a clearer picture, um, which really is disappointing. And there's also that point, too, where you're kind of you're watching some of the characters like Pacino at the very beginning. You're like, OK, I'm kind of digging what he's into. And then five minutes after you come to that realization, you're like, nope, I'm done. I can't take any more of him. Well, I, what do you think this movie was? I, I, I think they knew they had a crap script. They were looking to sell toys. It's, it's just a very long commercial. They're looking to sell wristwatches and yellow fedoras and stuff like that. I don't I gotta say, this this year in 1991 were the years of Charlie Corsmo. Who played the, what was he, he played oh, the kid. Oh, yeah, he, the kid. I know he played the kid in this. We oh, he was also in um, what about Bob in 91? Yeah, he's in what about Bob? He was Hook. in uh, Hook. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Uh, no, and then he, yeah, and then he worked. Uh, he did it in another feature in 1998. And then nothing until like 2019. He's he had like two years where he just exploded and then did nothing. And he's also one of those kids who wanted to see someone take a Tommy gun to him in this movie. He's so annoying. I really liked him in Hook. But yeah, but that Warren Hook. and Warren Beatty was like 53 years old when he made this movie. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. No, I'm, I'm, I'll be right there. Oh. God! <laughs> Jeez, I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, yeah. All that money on fancy gadgets, they couldn't have given him a pacemaker. <laughs> okay, we're ready to move on to the next one, folks. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number eight, $117.5 million. Die Hard 2, Die Harder. I got a life for you! I got enough friends! Is it wrong that I like it more than the first one? Yes. You know what, Jim? It is, but I still won't hold that against you because I still think this is kind of a quality diehard movie. I really, really liked it. I don't know why. Um, I hate To me, any movie like that where you truly despise the villains, because remember, they crash the plane and kill all those innocent people. Yeah. And then your blood's boiling. You want to see them all get their nuts cut off. And <laughs> to me, that's really... Was like I didn't hate Hans Gruber. I thought he was kind of charming. Hey, international bandit, look at him. 
Um, but in this movie, I actually really hated them. Like to this day, every time I see William Sadler, I'm like, ooh, he's the motherfucker who killed all those people. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can never hate William Sadler. He played death. Will he, yes, will he, he did. Again, I believe. Yes, he yes. will. Yes, he will. Oh yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's, I mean, a, that's our uh, piano reference. Thank Die you. Had to make a piano reference for M. Yeah. <laughs> Your blue Troy piano reads reference. All right. What's yeah. uh, Jim? I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was just gonna say I I I really I remember because you I remember you and I went to go see it. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying it. And, of course, I love Die Hard as well. It's like a top 20 movie for me. But I like this one more. I If it's on, I'm like M when, when Three Men and a Little Lady come on. I will stop <laughs> and I will watch it. I, You know what I liked about it, too, is that he did have more interaction with more people in this. Um, and while I like the, the, the seclusion of the first Die Hard movie, I just think die, the first Die Hard is a masterpiece. This is still a really fun movie. Um, I mean, I still, I think the first three Die Hard movies are fantastic for different reasons all on their own. And then everything else just kind of turned to shit really fast. Mm. Is the third yes. one with Jeremy Irons? Yes. yes. Jeremy Irons and Samuel Jackson. Okay, I couldn't remember. So anyone else have any thoughts on uh, Die Hard 2, Die Harder? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I would just like to say that I think Die Hard is, A, one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Yes. And B, um, <laughs> yes. I, think, I think Die Hard is, is pretty flawless, uh, just on its own. Um, every, everything about Die Hard I absolutely love. When it comes to the sequels, any sequel to Die Hard... I often find that because I love Die Hard so much... That the sequels tend, I tend to get a bit confused as to which sequel is which. Um, so I'll be yeah. completely honest. I have seen Die Hard 2, uh, semicolon Die Harder, but I don't actually recall it to a great extent. Uh, that might be because I watched Die Hard so much. <laughs> but, um, and and I'm, I'm a big fan of Alan Rickman, just... Oh, Any, yeah. anything, anything with Alan Rickman in, I adore that man completely. Yes. Like if if I could bring him back from the dead, I would marry him. I, I genuinely. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, maybe, maybe, like Pet Cemetery back. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, if if Keanu decided that he didn't want me, uh, which I mean, let's be honest, it's it's that is never going to happen. But Still cards. He, <laughs> he might be listening. I mean, if he is, uh, then, you know, my uh, the ways to get in touch will probably come at the end of whichever episode, probably the second episode. I don't know. I don't know how Andy's going to do this, but, but Keanu, yeah. you get in touch with me, please. Um, but I, I, and I, think, I think because I love Alan Rickman, I think because Bruce Willis is so good in the original Die Hard that oh, yeah. sequels just don't they're not memorable enough for me. No, you know what's funny? I for, for all the reasons that you just said, Alan Rick, the cast is better. The writing is better. Everything about Die Hard 1, in my mind, it should make it the better of the two movies. There's just this one weird rogue element in the second one that made me love it. I, 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 
it's just it's inex- inexplicable. I, I can't say why. Although I do like the fact that you said it is a Christmas movie because I have started to see that it say it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls out of Nakatomi Tower. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts on Die Hard Two? Die Harder. Um, shines a bigger spotlight on Reginald Dell Johnson. I'm always good with that. <laughs> He's barely in this movie, though. He's like into the very beginning, uh, you know, working the desk and eating his Twinkies. But he's in it. That's that's very true. He is in it. And this yeah. is right. Let's go. Lawrence yep, Olivier. This is around the time of Family Matters before they introduced Steve Urkel. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the great actors, Lawrence Olivier, Reginald Bell Johnson. <laughs> Amen. All right. And anybody else have any thoughts before we move on? No. How can the same thing happen at the same guy twice? (laughs) I don't know. Ask Jack Bauer. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Seven seasons of this. I just want to go to the toilet. God damn it. (laughs) But it's only seven days. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number seven on the list with $119.3 million. One of my personal favorite Schwarzenegger movies, Total Recall. Doug, honey, you wouldn't hurt me, would you, sweetheart? Sweetheart, be reasonable. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. That was your wife? What a bitch. Oh, yes. Any How movie can we... that introduces the three boob alien is going to be up this. <laughs> this is like everything that is great about Schwarzenegger movies because it's, it's really inventive. There's, it's high concept. And the acting... For er, almost every supporting character is so laughable, you can't not love them all. <laughs> Sharon Stone is his wife. Oh, God, Sharon Stone is his wife. Um, oh, she, even, that's the best she ever looked, though. Oh, my God. Even, yeah. like, even Rachel oh. Chickaton, who played the uh, the brunette, she's kind of terrible in this. Uh, the dude who played Benny. 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 He's he's honestly the worst actor in this entire movie, and I'm including Quato in that. But you know what? I always love seeing more Michael Ironside. Something about Michael Ironside. I just I I, I love seeing him in movies. I he's not great, but he's just got an intensity to him. He is the, the poor man's the... Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's the thing with with Paul with Paul Verhoeven who directed this. It's like he always calls upon Michael Ironside. To be the Tommy Lee Jones heavy. Yeah. He did it with a Robocop. Was this the same guy who brought us Iron Eagle? No, no. Paul Verhoeven directed the original Robocop. He directed uh, Starship Troopers, uh, Basic Instinct, and this this gem. Was Michael Ironside in Basic Instinct? He he might have been. You know what? In all honesty, there's so many people in that movie. I forget everybody except for, like, like the, the the lead three. 
Now, what about um, anybody else have any thoughts on Total Recall before we kind of take a little more of a dive into it? Um, I would just like to say that uh, for, for, for Total Recall's complete uh, cheesiness, because it is quite a cheesy movie with its cheesy lines. It's got a lot of cheesy lines, um, <laughs> yeah. mostly delivered with a plum, actually, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I, I also think that the, the practical effects... Uh, are on the most part still very very good um mm. the the scene that used to scare me the most when i was a kid was when he ends up on so he i can't remember how he gets out there does he get like blown out onto mars and yeah. his face starts to um because obviously he's he's kind of in the elements isn't he um and that scene of like his face kind of contortioning and uh, his eyes kind of bulging. That scared the shit out of me when I was a child. Um, because, again, it was it was one of those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that I watched with my dad. Um, so I got the three-breasted lady quite early in my life. Luckily, I didn't grow up to, uh, to look anything like her, which is, uh, well... Uh, a bit sad for me, really, because uh, everyone, or, you know, all the guys seem to quite like her. Um, but... Yeah, I, I still th- I haven't watched it in a while, but from the last time I watched it, the practical effects still looked quite good. Um, and for a movie that's you know 30 years old, I think that's that's quite a feat. Um, it, it's quite an inventive movie as well with the animatronics that it uses. Um, yeah, like what? Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, so yeah, I, I have nothing but fond memories for Total Recall. I think that, that there is a certain aspect. There are some of those, like any of the puppets um, and any of the maquettes that they used. There's a, there's a level of cheesiness that you can totally forgive and you can accept with this movie. That you don't – a lot of – like any a lesser film, you'd be pissing and moaning about those special effects. But with this one, you just kind of accept them. Oh, Andy, you can't leave Quattro. Quattro's gold, man. <laughs> I actually just saw Robot Chicken the other night with uh, the, the real reason why Abraham Lincoln wore that tall hat. <laughs> like some dude knocked the hat off and this Quato had like two handguns and he had to shoot the two guys that knocked the hat off. He's like, this can never happen again, Abraham. <laughs> you know what stands out for Total Recall for me? Not except for Sharon Stone and the three boob alien. Is, um, they had, remember back in the day when they had hotlines? You could call for, like, the popular movies. Yeah. Obviously before the internet. And I always remember Schwarzenegger. It was on TV. Like, it's a, you could call the Total Recall hotline. I don't know what the purpose was, but you could call up. And Schwarzenegger did the commercials. Like, remember, call 1-800-GO-TO-MARS. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then you pick, and then he picks up. Hello, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get your ass to Mars. I <laughs> miss you on the rocket ship to Mars. <laughs> Thank you for your 1050. <laughs> it's also worth pointing out, just in case anyone who's listening isn't aware, that the title of this episode, We Can Remember It For Your Wholesale, actually comes from Total Recall as well. Because yes. that's the name of the original novella. Um, mm-hmm. It was called We Can Remember It For Your Wholesale. Uh, and that's by uh, Phil K. Dick, right? Phil K. Dick, yeah. All right. I knew somebody was going to come through on that one. Anybody else have any thoughts on Total Recall? Todd or Catherine? No. I just love when they're when they're putting the memories in his brain. One of the technicians is going, "Blue scares on Mars. You never see it." Yeah. 
Oh, that was the thing. There was like all of those like little like Easter eggs to see, you know, is it really real? Yeah. Is this really happening or is this what he had put in his brain? (laughs) Well, don't worry. We we tend not to fuck things up around here. You know what I'd love (laughs) to know? How much did Schwarzenegger make in 1990? I think they stopped paying him in money and just started paying him in military weapons and machinery. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. I don't One need any more money, but I'll take that tank over there. Well, now he's got his pet donkeys. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to number six. $122 million. Every dad's favorite movie, The Hunt for Red October. Kakovny but Bakaru. So funny. The captain seems to think you're some sort of cowboy. New Paroski. Nimnoga. Paryazna znat stodum yet prativnik. Ni pravdali? It is. I doubt you'd remember, but we met once at the consulate in Leningrad, along with your wife. Very sorry. What gives you the right to fire on my ship? Your signal said nothing of a torpedo. Ryan. It was necessary to maintain the illusion for your crew. My crew are being rescued, yes? As we speak. You sent the signal. That's correct, sir. Then how did you know our reactor accident was false? Well, that was a guess, but it seemed logical. Very well. I love this movie. It's the best of the Jack Ryan movies. I don't fight anybody who disagrees with me. And I also think... uh, I. Alec Baldwin is my favorite Jack Ryan as well. Over Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah. You know what? It's interesting because, Mike, I agree with you on that, even though I think Alec Baldwin is woefully miscast, but he's still a better Jack Ryan for some odd reason. See, the, the interesting thing about this movie is that the, uh, the, the director uh, was Mick G, right? No, no. This was John McTiernan. Yeah, yeah sorry. Mick, Mick the whole reason- yeah. Yeah, that's why he didn't. That's why he didn't direct the second Die Hard movie, and like Rennie Harlan did. But I mean, this movie, this movie is very, very similar to the original Die Hard, actually. It's Die Hard and Sub. Yeah, basically, it, it starts with you know uh, Alec Baldwin on a plane. Starts with uh, you know uh, John McClane on a plane. It's yeah. a guy that it really has no you know real action skills being thrust into a scene where he, uh, into a, a situation where he has to use action skills. Yeah, I can see that. I just think that this is one of, one of my favorite Sean Connery roles. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love him in this. Yeah. He's just so, he's just, it's funny because he's intimidating, and I love the fact that they make fun of his accent. <laughs> <laughs> All the things in the ship don't react well to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like me. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I was thinking, because... You know how Mike was saying that he really he liked Alec Baldwin, and I 
I want, I mean, did you read the books? If anybody read the books beforehand, Jack Bryan has kind of an, almost like an egghead. He's not supposed to be a, like a nerd, but he has a kind of an, an academic egghead type thing going. And Alec Baldwin did a really good job portraying that. Yeah. But Harrison Ford is just a badass. He's always yeah. a badass. Right. Yeah. That's it. Get off my plane, Mr. President. Get off my sub. Todd, Catherine, M, any thoughts on this one? I figured we can get more conversation about this one, but this it's might just been, be like a... It's, it's been, been a while. so long. It's been so long since I've seen this. The, the, the things that stick most for me are, are Tim Curry's short bit as, as his character and <laughs> the fact that the radar operator hears the singing on the silent moving submarine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's oh my god! I forgot all about that. Yep. This He's was, like, this was, I heard singing. Yeah, no, after they had just raked him over the coals for just listening, you know, he was listening to the pings like they were music. Yeah. Well, and the entire crew of uh, the Red October were singing, so maybe the vibrations would go out into the water a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Clancy really had a way of um, kind of, you know, for a guy who was like so into military weaponry and, you know, like getting it absolutely right. It is kind of interesting that if, if the plot called for it, you know, you can hear through, you know, three feet of solid metal. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, don't I, forget, Scott, yeah. Glenn rep- uh, Scott Glenn reprises his role as Beef jerky with eyes. <laughs> I like Scott Glenn. He's this, a is, this is a great cast. I'm going to have to go back and watch this with a more discerning eye. It's yeah. good. It's actually very, very good. This is an excellent... This is one of those movies. This and U571, every once in a while, if we see either of these on a streaming service, we'll sit and watch it because it's, it's, it's odd, especially because you know, any of you guys who know my wife, you wouldn't think that she would like submarine movies that much, but she really liked this movie. And U571. Hmm. K9 the Widowmaker, not so much, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, U571 is good until John Bon Jovi died, then I was fucking out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually just uh, just looking up where I can watch this, because I've actually never seen it. Oh. Um, but the description of Die Hard in a Sub... Uh, really makes me want to. So I, I can actually stream this um, for free. So nice. Nice. And it's, am, got a, it's got an obscenely young Alec Baldwin. Yes. I'm always yeah. down for some young Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I think that's, is that the first movie that broke him? No, Beetlejuice was. Two years ago. Yeah. Oh, Beetlejuice is like 88 or something well, like that. Yeah. I, I would say that this is probably his first kind of really starring, like, like carrying yes. a movie. Yeah, because Beetlejuice. First... I mean, he's a main character, but he's let's wait. Say, say everyone in that movie takes his backseat to Beetlejuice. Right. Yeah. In fact, he's only in it for twenty minutes. He's probably the fourth character in that, behind Beetlejuice and, and Winona Ryder and and uh, yeah. Davis. He kind of is. Yeah. yeah. All right, but, let's move on to one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 nothing. I was gonna say. All right, let's move on to number five, the movie that uh, our friend Paul English mentioned was the top-grossing independent film for 10 years, $135.2 million, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. 
It's strange being back on the old farm. Even after all these years, it still feels like home. My amazing new friends have suffered their first real defeat. That's bad enough, but they've also lost the opportunity to find out about their mentor, and I'm sure that hurts them much more than anything else. Each of them deals with this confusion in his own way. Donatello has found someone to latch on to. Not even close, Zipnack. Professor and Marianne, happily ever after. <laughs> no way, Atomic Mouth. Gilligan was her main man. They'd be married and have six kids by now. Uh, Gilligan was a geek. Barferoni? You're the geek, Camel Breath. The dome head. <laughs> Elf lips. Let's give this a try. See if this transplant worked. Fungoid. All right, here goes. What are we on? Uh, G. <laughs> here goes, Gackface. I'm ready, Oh, dear God. All right. I just watched this last night on Netflix, man. I got to say, I, I really love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's great. Nothing, it, there's nothing it really like, holds up. Yeah, exactly. It's just weird because there's nothing incredibly special about it, but it's so well done that how can you not love it? Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but nobody pays for late pizza. <laughs> Although we were thinking there's no way these days you could get away with calling somebody Broadzilla. No. Um, that would be correct. <laughs> I mean, I will, but, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, because that was a, the first movie in a very, very long time that I saw in theaters. But I still really love this one, too. Uh, it, it was just, it's, I mean, this is the first time that they'd really kind of done, like, full suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully articulated faces, the fact that they cast like actual mar martial artists yeah. yep. to do everything. And unlike Secret of the Ooze, they actually were allowed to use real weapons in this one. Yeah. They didn't fight people with sticks of pepperoni because moms complained. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> speak, speaking of, of, of moms complaining, oh, so... No. Uh, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were were quite big over here. Um, I mean, me and my brother, like, we had the toys. I'm pretty sure my brother had, like, a backpack for school, um, you know, and we would watch. This movie was pretty much, like, on all the time. Um, this one <laughs> and the sequel, uh, I watched a lot as a kid. Bearing yes. in mind as well, I, it was also uh, running probably alongside movies like Super Mario Brothers, uh, which were kind of perennial favourites uh, in my childhood, along with Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. But um, the there was a big issue here, and I don't know if it was a, a similar issue over there, um, with the cartoon show, because the cartoon show was really popular over here mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, well there's been a million the, versions of it too. Yeah, but the cartoon show had to be renamed for here because of the word ninja because parents didn't like the word ninja <laughs> so it was renamed teenage mutant hero turtles and i don't know if it was still called ninja over there or whether it was called hero um, it's called ninja so right. yeah we to a japanese racial stereotype much <laughs> i think it was because they i think parents thought that it would encourage children to fight <laughs> i don't know uh, i mean me and my brother did fight uh, but it wasn't because 
of a word in a title of a TV show. Uh, right. We just thought because we were brother and sister. But um, but I I have not seen this in a long time. I've just seen I've just had a look to see if I can uh, find it somewhere and I can't. Uh, it's not available uh, anywhere to stream here. Oh, but no. um, but I I remember absolutely loving this movie. Uh, I remember loving the Vanilla Ice song as well. That was uh, number two. That's the second that's one. That's number two. Oh, that's the second uh, one. Oh. The first one yeah, had, this is, had a T-U-R-T-L-E power. T-U-R-T-L-E power. T-U-R-T-L-E power. Oh, it's not as good as Vanilla Ice. But yeah, just... Like I said, the, this one and the second one, not so much the third one, but no. this one and the second one were, were very much on because uh, we had we had VHS copies of them. Because when we were kids, we didn't really go to the cinema very often. So we tended mm. to wait until stuff came out on VHS. Um, but, yeah, I again, I think the, the practical effects work. Um, I haven't seen it for a long time, but I'm pretty certain, uh, like it's already been said, I'm pretty certain it still holds up. Um, and. Um, yeah, it was actually quite groundbreaking, really, in in many ways. Um, oh. To have the you know animatronic heads on you know physical actors who were also martial artists and also knew what they were doing, you know, handling weapons and uh, it's it, quite impressive actually. It's a sort of movie that you know. Well, I say it wouldn't get made now, but it did get remade because it was a uh, Michael Bay uh, yep. remake, didn't it? Uh, I watched maybe about 20 minutes of and I thought it was horrendous and turned it off. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Michael, I, I Bay never had a... the, Michael Bay produced the, the two remakes mo- movies. Oh, he was just a producer, was he? He was well, just a producer, yeah. yeah. But you know what? It, it had all of his fingerprints on it. His yeah. sticky, even... awful fingerprints. Yeah, it's not even fingerprints. made me want to watch it. And, and I have a lot of fondness for Megan Fox. Um, but even she couldn't make me want to sit and watch it, so I just feel bad for Megan Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, I kind of feel like this is a movie you watched a lot as a kid. Oh, you better believe it, my friend. <laughs> I was, I was, this movie came out, and wait for it, I was five years old. Uh, like Mike, <laughs> I like Mike. I am partial to Secret of the Ooze because I that came out on my seventh birthday. Oh, yeah, virtual, <laughs> virtual high five. Virtual high five. I saw this movie, t- t- Turtles 2, Secret of the Who's, with, like, in a birthday party in a movie theater. And I, I don't know if they still do that or not, but it was super fun. Yes. And I had, you know, you know, my, my brothers were there, and it was, it was great. Featuring, you know, pre-Diesel Kevin Nash as Super Shredder. <laughs> I love that. But going back to this one, it appealed to me as a kid, and it has also appealed to me in subsequent rewatchings because it's so dark and so gritty and there's no one better than Jim Henson to take on this undertaking of making these turtles you know do what they do it was it's amazing and Casey Casey Jones is great you know I it's just it's it's amazing I love this movie yeah Casey Jones was spot on I I believe in subsequent movies they got a different guy to play Casey Jones and he was awful Mm -hmm. uh it's like he wasn't in the second one, but they did bring him back for the third one. It was the same actor, but they didn't give him anything to do. Ugh. I also think that the April Neal in the first movie is better than the one they replaced her with in the second one. Oh, yeah. Yep. It looked Wasn't way more like the, the one in the cartoons and everything. She was great. Oh. And, uh, yeah, the subsequent Aprils were awful. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough, it, I don't think it made a whole lot of money outside of the U.S. 
just looking at the uh, domestic release is 135.2. International um, was only 201.9. Yeah, no, this is this is very much an American uh, property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to number four, 178.4 million dollars. Pretty Woman. Ugh. Ugh. May I help you? I'm just checking things out. Are you looking for something in particular? No, well, yeah. Uh, something conservative. Yes. You got my stuff. Thank you. How much is this? I don't think this would fit you. I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Look, I got money to spend in here. I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. I haven't watched this movie (laughs) in forever. I would... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say this movie is aged horrifically well considering it sucks i don't know how it would age well <laughs> well it's like a modern modern interpretation of george bernard shaw's pygmalion which was done pretty well with my fair lady although that movie was not great and uh and then yeah it's no <laughs> no not much good to say. although it did break julia roberts it, it did yeah it did. And everybody remembers that creepy scene with uh, Jason Alexander pre-Seinfeld. Ugh. Ugh. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think it's, it's again, like like um, Three Men and a Little Lady, I think a lot of Pretty Woman's um, like amongst uh, a, a certain community of people. Let's be let's be frank. You know, it's going to be, you know, mainly kind of women who are you know, around about middle age kind of aged women who went to the cinema to watch this and kind of got all eclipsed in the romance element, even though it's not really all that romantic. But anyway, um, there's I think there's a lot of fondness out there for Pretty Woman. And I do think it rides on a lot of nostalgia um, because it's got, you know, fairly quotable lines. um, And Julia Roberts is actually really good. In it, and well, I, I not, still. I think she got nominated. Yeah, she yeah, was nominated she for best actress, and that was the only thing this movie got nominated for. And and I and I still think that her performance is pretty standout. It's very problematic, uh, you know. Incredible. It's it gets more and more problematic, uh, I think, as it ages. Um, but I, I certainly think that Julia Roberts. It's pretty great and if it gave the world julia roberts then it can't be a terrible thing um because julia roberts is on the most part uh generally pretty terrific so oh, yeah i know I, I think she's a tremendous actress i mean i actor i don't know i'm sorry i, I kind of <laughs> feel well you know what the funny thing is too i kind of feel like with this one um and, and this is the same with a lot of movies also starring richard Gere, where he's never been able to get a career resurgence but other people get it out of movies that he is a prominent part in. I mean, you look at this, even Chicago. I, mean, I was just really... thinking Chicago. Yeah. yeah but just that's which the... which he's actually would... really good yeah, in. Everybody would get outshone in that movie because it's about the two female leads. It didn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's funny because he was in all these movies and it's like 
He's never like think of the movie Primal Fear, which came out like five years after this. That's Edward Norton's movie, but but Richard Gere is the star of that movie. Yeah. Well, he no. had third, Laura Linney was a big better part than he was in, in that too. I mean, it's. Oh, God, I forgot she was in that. I think I, I forgot most about that movie. I'm trying to make a point that's just coming to my head right now. I know now. what you're saying, but I know <laughs> what you're saying is that he doesn't have he doesn't chew up scenery when he's in it. He's very low key, and he kind of just he's always tends to be in the background, which maybe it's a shot at his acting ability. I don't know, but no, maybe, maybe. But don't you think this movie, this and when Harry met Sally, to me is the genesis of the modern day rom-com like you think of like all the all the jennifer aniston movies that came out in the early 2000s and the late 90s and stuff like that and they all have their i think their beginnings in those two movies and and that that is i think the important thing that pretty woman brings it, it yeah i, think I it's agree with that, that yeah. yeah it is it's one of those things too that and this happens every year when movies come out there's got to be that movie that women are going to pay money for. And then people are like, oh, I can't believe women go see movies. <laughs> and for 1990, because, it was pretty Yeah, woman. because heaven forbid that women might actually like something more than a romantic comedy. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I, Let's you know, slow down. Let's yeah. slow down. <laughs> Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Um, yeah, this, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because, I mean, it's weird to hear a comparison of, of Pretty Woman and When Harry Met Sally, because I love When Harry Met Sally. Oh, I am not a does. fan of this movie. movie. Right. So. But they're very important movies for a specific genre. Yeah. So uh, anybody else have any thoughts on Pretty Woman before we move on to number three? I have a funny story. My brother is seven years older than me, so he was in maybe eighth grade in yep. 1991. Okay. Um, you know, something like that. And he, um, they watched this in gym class at the end of the year because <laughs> it was the time where you just sat there and watched movies in, in class. I remember watching Spartacus in gym class because <laughs> they, had to, they had to bring it back to G and PG movies because my brother's gym teacher ruined it by showing Pretty Woman to eighth grade students. So, <laughs> there you go. Wait a minute. Your gym teacher showed you Spartacus? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Got to teach him how to be a man some way, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing erotic about, you know, gladiator movies and Tony. Yeah. Well, just ask Jim, just ask Captain Over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Jimmy. Billy, do you like movies about gladiators? You ever been in Turkish bath? <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Number three, $184.2 million, and the winner of the Academy Award for Best Picture, Dances with Boredom. I'm sorry, Wolves. Wolves, Dances with Wolves. Tatanka. Tatanka? Tatanka. Tatanka. Right here. Tatanka. The fierce one, as I call him, seems a very tough fellow. I hope I never have to fight him. From the little I know, he seems to be honest and very direct. 
I like the quiet one immensely. He's been patient and inquisitive. He seems eager to communicate. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> they I released... don't know anybody who likes it. I know one person who liked it. We, we did theater with him. He was, no, his I nickname know, but... was actually Captain Dances with Wolves. I just... Um, every person who sees it is bored to tears by it. They yeah. released a director's cut of this, Jim, because that's just what this movie needed to be. Longer. Longer. <laughs> I, I think I tried getting through it once, and I think I might have fallen asleep, and I never bothered going back. Oh, this is just Oscar bait. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, is successful. It? Why did it, it was? It doesn't have a lot of the hallmarks of, a, of, a, of an Oscar-winning movie. Oh, it, it absolutely has all of them. It's got an actor who's making his directorial debut. Um, yeah. it's about a, you know, an important subject. It's historical and it's biggest competition and it's, it's the biggest competition that year was Goodfellas. Oh, I love that. Oh. Yeah. Which we'll talk about in part two. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll be discussing that uh, uh, for, on your behalf, Jim. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, Oh, this movie. I remember when this movie came out, and it's a three-hour movie that they released on a single video cassette. But they wanted to try to keep the quality of the video up, so they still had, like, that SP mode. Do you remember, like, the SP, LP, and EP modes on your video cassettes that you could record? Like, yeah, more yeah, stuff on yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep, so SP, they, LP, and EP. They, so they kept it on the standard play, but they, they decided in all of their wisdom to fit three hours of movie onto essentially a two-hour video cassette, they made the videotape thinner to fit more on the reel. Oh. So, the bro, every other tape we had at the video store came back destroyed. And that is really my takeaway from this movie. Thank you, Roger Ebert. Yes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have seen this movie. Yeah, but no, I saw the animated version with the uh, with the bat voiced by Robin Williams. Oh, Pocahontas. No, uh, no, no, no. No, Ferngully. Yes, that was it, yes. <laughs> but, well, oh, my. I, I, Fern, to me, Ferngully is better because I've never seen Dances yes. with Wolves. So, oh, good um, lord. Judging by everybody's responses, I don't think anyone besides like maybe me and Jim have seen this movie. <laughs> I have no desire to watch it either. Literally none. <laughs> Andy, let me, let me thank you ahead of time for spilling our age to everybody. Thank you. No, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry, Jim. You and I are timeless. <laughs> I did see it, and, you know, Stands with a Fist was pretty cool. I liked her. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, it, was very, it was very, you know, like we're going we're gonna to make the, uh, the Native Americans understandable by – Having some white people to blend in. Right. <laughs> was um was was the concept very similar to Avatar as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I do recall some thing. comparisons between when Avatar came out and people were like, "This is just a computer generated Dances with, with Wolves," but it still didn't make me want to go and see Dances with Wolves. Because <laughs> uh, to be fair, I, di- I didn't think that much of Avatar, which is probably controversial. No. But no, no, no. I think that okay. in Dances with Wolves and Avatar, they flip. The good guys and the bad guys. Usually, up until that point, the Calvary was the good guys, and the Native Americans were the bad guys. Then Eclipse. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with Avatar. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to number two. Two hundred seventeen point six million dollars, and technically, 
at year's end was the number one movie, but when you take the full year into consideration, it is number two, Ghost. Carl, is that you? No, it's me, Otome. Molly, I know what you think of me. I know what you think of me, but look, you gotta talk to me. You are in serious danger. I got Sam here with me. We gotta come in and talk to you. Get the hell out of here. I'm calling the police. Good. Tell her to do it. Fine, that's what we want you to do. We want you to call the police. But you gotta let us in. No. Well, don't you get it? Sam was not just accidentally killed, he was murdered. He found that the car was laundering money at the bank. Now this guy, Carl, is dangerous. I'm telling you, he tried to kill me. He's gonna try to kill you too. You are in deep, deep trouble. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? You hear me? Why are you doing this to me? I can't. I just, I just can't. Otome, tell her. Tell her she's wearing the shirt that I spilt the margarita on and the earrings I gave her for Christmas. Molly, Sam says to tell you you're wearing the shirt that he spilled the margarita on and the earrings he gave you for Christmas. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. Not about this. Oh, my love, my if you, darling. If you go with worldwide, pottery. <laughs> if you go with worldwide gross, no, a ghost is number one. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised how much I actually enjoyed this movie. I've, I've tried. I've tried. I can't. It sucks, too, because I really wanted to take up pottery, and Swayze fucked that up for me. <laughs> None of us will ever look as good as as uh, as Patrick Swayze doing pottery. I mean, to be honest, I don't think many men will look as good as Patrick Swayze full stop because Patrick right. Swayze was the sort yeah. of guy who could do everything. Uh, he could make good pottery. He could dance. Boy, Jesus Christ, could he dance. Um, and and, you know, uh, true, true story. Uh, a man who can dance is literally the most attractive man in the room. That, that is just <laughs> a fact. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I haven't seen Ghost in a long time. It always, always makes me cry. Uh, I love Whoopi Goldberg in it. I believe she was nominated. Was she nominated she for supporting? She won. She won. She won. Supporting actress. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know she won. I knew she was nominated, but I think she's great in yeah. Ghost. Um, I know that people focus on. Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze and and to be honest I can give or take kind of the whole lovey-dovey aspect of it yeah. I just really like Whoopi Goldberg um <laughs> and um and yeah because it's obviously it, it is a sad movie um the fact that you know he gets murdered and all of that stuff it is quite sad um I ha- I don't do the effects still hold up I don't know uh, somewhat somewhat okay yeah I think they went simple so it wasn't it wasn't yeah. it aged okay because I do recall when they kiss, it never looks like they're actually kissing. You know, at the end, it looks yeah. like yeah. they're standing there with their mouths open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, uh, which always makes me laugh a little bit because it's like he's uh, he's a ghost. Yeah. And then she's, she's trying to kiss the ghost, um, which I suppose is the point. But uh, but no, I, I I love Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost. I think she's great and uh, well deserved um, Oscar win for her. Um, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. All right. Anybody else have anything so we can we can wrap up part one? I didn't realize how long we we're going to be running on part one. So uh, 
We got one more to talk about here. The number one movie domestically, $285.7 million, Home Alone. Morph! Harry? Where the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? I'm up here, you morons! Come and get me! <laughs> you guys give up, or you're thirsty for more? Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> Either I, Brandy Kid was one of the worst families of, in the history of cinema. Yeah. yeah. There there are there are no heroes in this movie. No. Nah, just no maybe maybe the old true. man. Maybe the old, the old man. The old man who beats them up with the shovel. He's a hero. Yeah. The guy playing Santa. I don't know. He's a, he's a hero. Gives oh. a tic-tac. <laughs> Is there anyone who... Does not like Home Alone, genuinely. I genuinely don't like this movie. No. Oh God. No. Really? I, 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 I. A lot of it, I think, just has to do with that. It's, 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 cons. It, it forgets its concept very early in, and then oh. all of a sudden remembers it and tries to like shoehorn it in. Andy, you just destroyed Christmas. You suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Jim, I, you know, I firmly believe Die Hard is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Yeah, it's Christmas. still not saving you. You fucked up Christmas. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for me, uh, if you take off like the first maybe 20 minutes, half hour of the movie, then it becomes a fun movie to watch. The whole the whole setup, I think, is just it. it, it, it I don't like the setup. It's it's poorly done, I think. But when they just when they just decide, you know what? Let's have this kid torture these two bumbling criminals. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll have a fun, I'll have a fun laugh with it. Why not? One of the hardest times I've ever laughed in any movie was when they put the spider on Daniel Stern's face and he shrieks <laughs> like ten octaves above his voice. I lose it every time he does that. I'm getting the giggles now just thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> and from a, from a technical point of view as well, I mean the 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 effects. Uh, in this movie I know I bang on about effects and practical effects and unfortunately if anyone listens to my podcast you'll know I bang on about practical effects <laughs> but um, but it's so well done you know and I know that obviously they're stunt people but seriously when they fall down the icy steps you feel it oh, you yeah. feel every single bang that ha- occurs on their body it is the one movie that makes me wince more than anything um <laughs> Can, oh, when he steps on the nail. Oh, the nail. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And, and when they he gets his head uh, torched, you know, oh. and just little things like that. It, it really, it, it makes me kind of have a very visceral reaction to it. And as much as I kind of think, well, they are literally the worst family ever, because I don't care how many kids you've got. Even if you've got 20 kids, if you're going away, you will know where each of your 20 children yeah. are. Um, right. And I kind of feel like... <sighs> Obviously, I do not have 20 children, by the way, um, but I kind of feel like it's a silly premise to get this little kid on his own. But Macaulay Culkin was such an absolute find. Uh, you know, I know that he was in Uncle Book previous to this, um, but I think as Kevin McAllister, I think it's literally the only role that he's ever going to be associated with probably for the rest of his life. Um, and I think it's a genuinely fun um but sort of a painful experience to watch because like I say, you do kind of feel every single thing that happens to those uh 
to those very inept burglars. And yeah. it, it kind of it does feel a little bit, uh, you know, watching it retrospectively, these two grown adult men are targeting, essentially targeting a young boy, um, yeah. which, you know, I kind of feel like, OK, they've got a vendetta against this kid. Uh, they just want to rob the house. Um, but it, it, it kind of so they're, they're, they're so focused on this one house with this one kid. And I kind of feel like, you know, the, it, it's not very evenly matched. Um, but then you realise just how idiotic that these two goons are. That, <laughs> um, you know, uh, a nine year old boy can uh, can outwit them. But they, yeah, it's basically just a cartoon. It's the cartoon where the smaller creature beats up the bigger creatures. And that's a great way of putting it. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's Tom and Jerry. It's 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 Wiley e. Coyote. It's yeah. Now, I only actually, the kids the one with all the products from Acme. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this thing online. It was essentially it was a damage report for both Home Alone movies. But essentially, it was every time Harry or uh, Marvin got hit with anything, they would say what they suffered. And half the time it was like, Harry is dead. Marvin is dead. <laughs> Harry and Marvin are dead. Iron to the face, dead. Yep. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and actually, one of the podcasts that I liked listening to, Sawbones, which does like a deep dive into like medical history, actually did their Christmas episode a few years ago on Home Alone. And they're like, you know, you just don't recover from burns like the one that Harry, like Harry gets by touching the... Uh, the, the hot doorknob or, you know, the blowtorch to the head. Yep. So, Em, you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yes. you hear yep. just fine now. Awesome. Good. Well, I, that were the top 15 movies of 1990. So, thank you guys so much for joining us. Now, part two will be coming up in about a week when we kind of discuss the rest of the movies. Uh, but before we wrap this episode uh first off em tell people where they can listen to your show cool uh yes so you can find my show it's verbal diorama uh you can find it on any of your podcast apps whether that's apple podcast google podcast spotify pretty much all of them uh, actually um and if you want to find social media you can do uh, it's just at verbal diorama on twitter facebook instagram Letterboxd, uh, wherever you uh, wherever you choose to socially media yourself, uh, <laughs> uh, say hello and um, yeah, let's talk about um, well, what can we do? We can talk about three men and a little lady. Let's talk about three men and a little lady. <laughs> talk to me about three men and a little lady because I feel like it deserves a hell of a lot more love than uh, this podcast has given it. Well, okay. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, I know Jim said he's got to drop off, so Jim will not be joining us for part two of this. So, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, we'll get you back on for the next episode. Awesome. So we will be back in about a week to discuss the uh, the other releases of 1990. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Catherine. I'm Todd. Go forth and be nerdful. We will talk to you later. Bye.
my god, listen to that sad, sad music as she leaves. It's like boo-hoo. <laughs> but it is actually kind of sad. Anything you see here, we can do, by the way. Get ready to have some fun, okay? okay. Mary Pat, Mary Kate, Mary Frances, Tova, let's see it. Come on, bring it up. Exactly. I'll just get really happy when they finally let her shop.